Hello, everyone, and welcome to Teenagers with Altitude, the uh, TWA re uh, regular Valentine's Day special. Uh, hosting this year, it's me, everyone's favorite, Lexi, uh, and I am joined by my partner, Mikey. Hi, Mikey. Hello, Lexi. I'm glad to join the teenagers here. It's nice to see you all come out for us. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I know you've all been breathlessly anticipating the next episode of our recurring Valentine's Day show, and, uh, hopefully you won't be disappointed. Uh, as you all know, this is, um, a yearly tradition where we watch an episode of ALF and talk about it. Now, I've been excited to do this, um... I don't really remember much about ALF because the show was on when I was like two years old, but my parents tell me that I was very interested in the show for a while. I was obsessed with ALF for a bit as a kid, and uh, I can believe them because I know I had multiple ALF toys. Uh, Mikey, did you have any experience with the TV show ALF? No, babe. I was not watching television at this point in my life except for uh, the Saturday morning Fox channel with such hits as Pokemon, Digimon, and Power Rangers Turbo. I mean, those things are all about half a decade old, uh, newer than ALF, but... Well, I'm a young stud. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I know the show was in syndication for a while. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it was long enough to go into syndication, but I know it kept going on in reruns for several years because they eventually made a movie in 1996 called Project ALF. So it somehow he stayed in the national consciousness for quite a while, which I mean, I guess if you're looking for sitcoms about extraterrestrials, you've only got about one a decade, right? So Right. Well, you had Alf, you had Mark and Mindy, you had Third Rock from the Sun, and after that aliens negotiated a better representation with the Screen Actors Guild and were not forced to take just strictly alien roles anymore. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Sitcoms were weird in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I don't know. You can talk a lot about how in the modern day uh, sitcoms have kind of become, I wouldn't say homogenized, but like they seem to break down into very distinct formats. And like this is definitely a very um, specific format, but I feel like the... I don't know. It's weird because it seems like what they're doing is taking an outlandish premise and just throwing it into a fairly stock joke template. Like, I don't know. I don't know what your familiarity with sitcoms from the eighties and nineties is, but to me, this felt like you could have honestly with just a little bit of swapping made this into one of about a dozen other shows of the era that I could pick. Well, the primary joke with Alf is that he is a foreigner. And he has strange foreign customs, and some of them are strange and upsetting to our Western sensibilities. But by the 80s, we had solved racism, so we understood that it was wrong to do that to actual people who lived on Earth. Right, right, of course. Um, I, I feel like the, the... I feel like the biggest jokes of Alf fall into either that category or the category of... I guess the mundanity of aliens, like he looks weird and he uses strange sounding words to describe things. But at the end of the day, the things he's describing are for all intents and purposes, not that different from earth life. Like the dude's actual name is Gordon. Yeah. Gordon Ramsolf. Nah, Gordon Shemway, I think. Oh, so he's Jewish. Maybe? I don't know that Alf's religion ever really comes up. You know, I have to be honest, Lexi. I haven't watched any other episodes of Alf, so if they covered it, I'm not aware of it. Like I said, I don't... Well, I shouldn't say I don't remember anything, because I had a very powerful sense memory watching the opening of the show. For some reason, the, the whole sequence where... like And like the instant it came up where you just see from like Alf's perspective his like feet at the recliner, I just had this immediate, like, vivid recollection of the entire sequence. Like, it's like, I definitely watched this show as a kid. I just don't remember the plot of any of the actual episodes. And after watching today's episode, I think I understand why. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So for, for those of you who want to watch along at home or just want to know what the fuck we're talking about, um, we watched season one, episode 25, La Cucaracha, which I was hoping was going to involve a bug from another planet seducing Willie's wife. But no, it turns out it's just, um, it's, it's just a, just a cockroach. There's almost no wife uh, presence in this episode, as a matter of fact. It's a very Willy Alf-centric episode. Right, which is... So, I know a little bit about the show, like, behind-the-scenes stuff of the show, and apparently making the show was a complete nightmare. Um, The guy who actually puppeteered Alf was a horrid human being that everyone hated. Um, Most of all, the guy who played Willy, the... um, human main character of the show, the, the patriarch of the family that Alf lives with. Um, also, apparently the set was just covered in trenches for the dude operating Alf to get around in. So, like, it was a physical hazard, and people, like, hurt themselves tripping over, like, gaps in the floors a bunch. So, there's a lot of animosity under the surface to the point that they had to bring in an actual psychiatrist who played a fictionalized version of himself on the show to try and mediate between those two actors. Hmm. Um, yeah, my passing familiarity with Alf tells me that it's a much more interesting show to read about than it is to watch. It was... A show that I would describe it a bit like sleepwalking through the show. Yeah, 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 that's a... I did not feel my body react in any way to the episode while it was on, and eventually it was over. I chuckled once, but it wasn't like a... It wasn't like a like really engaged chuckle. It was just a, yeah, okay, I that joke was all right kind of thing, which if you're writing a sitcom and that's the best you can response, you can elicit. Mm, maybe not best, but this was also the era of sitcoms. Like this was after cheers had um, really taken off and everyone was trying to like sitcoms were really booming. And I believe this is also the era of TGIF, which is kind of the thing I think of. When I think of sort of bland by the numbers comedies, because I watched a lot of TGIF, like Home Improvement. Um, fuck, I don't even remember what else is on Family Matters, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, this this would have killed in the eighties. This is everything people wanted back then. I bet Alf hosted Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, no, Alf was a like. I mean, the reason people still like crack jokes and stuff about Alf today is because it was a huge deal when it was on, like. It got four seasons, which is a decent run for a, a sitcom of just about any era, honestly. Like, modern-day television kind of skews that a little bit because it feels like everything either gets canceled after two seasons or runs for 12. Well, after two seasons, it no longer drives Netflix subscribers, so... Right, which is kind of the modern equivalent of the old trying to just get to 100 episodes so it could go into syndication thing. But anyway, uh, yeah, I I get the feeling that sitcoms of this era were like family comfort food where you weren't really looking to be innovative or... Entertained. Even, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was the thing that you put on while having dinner. TV dinner, specifically. It, yeah, you wanted it to be familiar and just hit the expected beats. And yeah, this sure does that. Yeah. Do you have any other broad thoughts about Elf, Mikey? You know, before we started this, I thought I had a lot of thoughts about Elf. But once I watched Elf, I felt the ability to think slowly leaving my body. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the appeal. Maybe maybe people watch the show because they just wanted to be head empty. It, Yeah. I mean, I felt lighter at the end. I felt that time had passed, even though I was not present for it. 
I felt one step closer to the grave. Uh, and was it, I think was it almost a Zen experience then? No, no. In many ways, it was the opposite of Zen. Uh, there was no peace. There was only Alf. <laughs> All right. I think um, I think I know what the uh, sign off is going to be for this. We'll see if I can remember it by the time we're done with the recap. Uh, but for those of you who don't want to watch this and after our glowing review, I can't imagine anyone who wouldn't. Um, we're going to go ahead and just sort of get, run through the beats of the episode for you. So we, we cold open on the Tanner family having breakfast, I assume. Ambiguous food moment. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, it must be a, it must be a later meal. Cause Alf mentions he's going to have dessert and he pulls out just a, what looks like a ball of garbage. Yeah, this is this is that classic. The one family doesn't understand his foreign customs joke, where he's having a completely normal snack for his people, which is a slug slime ball, and they are disgusted by this prospect. Yeah, they 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 do a handful of like Alf not understanding their disgust thing of like he thinks they're upset because he because he brought food for himself and that they weren't having any so he offered to share because he had enough for everyone um he they also asked about flavors and he said normally he likes you know an, a normal flavor cherry but they were out of that the last time he bought them so he had to go for slug just you know a lot of a lot of raising and then dashing expectations humor he's a strange guy that alf He's a strange guy, and yet not as strange as you'd expect him to be. No, he's just kind of obnoxious. Yeah, no, that's that's it. Like my understanding is he uh, he can be more than that, but in this episode, at least, he's fairly benign. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I really knew about Alf was that he eats cats, apparently, but there was none of that here. So he does. I almost had us watch the episode where the um. Tanner's cat either dies or runs away. I can't remember which. And Alf decides he wants to get a kitten to raise to eat, but then realizes that cats can actually just be fulfilling pets. Oh, that's my favorite part of the shape of water. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't, I don't want to think about what else Alf might do with cats. Why? What else do you think he would do with cats? Other than I mean, you referenced the sh or pet you them. referenced the shape of water, right? Because of the scene where Shape of Water eats a cat. I haven't seen the movie. I just know about the alien fucking. Well, I was not, Lexi. I promise you, under no circumstances will I ever in my life suggest that Alf has sexual intercourse with a non-consenting animal. What worries me is in researching this, I'm not sure the show can make that same promise. It's the 80s, Lexi. They don't know what consent is. Fuck. So anyway, we, um, after some jokes about Alf's weird foreign food, uh, we cut to the uh, opening credits, which I actually kind of like this. He's got a, he's got a, handheld camcorder which was still kind of a novelty when the show came out and it's just introducing all of the characters by showing him like filming them and their reactions to him doing so so it gives you a little idea of what they're supposed to be like um he invades the privacy of the matriarch of the tanner family as she's showering which gives you right. an idea of what alf is like well you know he he's an alien he doesn't understand like alf doesn't wear clothes yeah. Alf does he's got, not, he's, as far as I'm aware, Alf does not conceptualize that nudity is something to be shamed of in any way. Yeah. He has not yeah, he eaten from the fruit of the forbidden tree. If he did, he would realize that um, his face resembles other parts of the human anatomy that is maybe a little... Does it? Uncomfortable. It kind of, he's kind of got a dick face. 
Does he? Like, I've seen some dicks in my time, and if I saw a dick that looked like Alf's face, I would probably suggest they seek immediate medical attention. Uh, if anything, the... it, if I was asked to say what his face most resembled, I would say a multi-level prolapsed anus, but I don't think it looks much like that either. I just think that's a lot closer than a penis. If you've never seen Alf, he's basically the height of a small child. He's covered in hair, kind of like a tiny Bigfoot. And he's got a uh, long proboscis of a nose. Well, it's not a proboscis of a nose. Like, let's be clear here. Like, we're not talking about Gonzo from the Muppets. Okay, true, true. It's just a snout, really. It's much more of a snout. He's got a bit of an overhang with the snout aspects. But for the most part, his jawline goes almost all the way up to that snout. And uh, he's got he's got big ears because that's you know uh, that's a that's the alien trope for low budget humanoid aliens. I mean, he kind of looks like Prince Philip's ears. Yeah, and then he's got a he's got a shock of hair that hangs down that always kind of cracks me up. Um, not in like an actually funny way, just in a that aspect of it looks weirdly human esque in a way that doesn't fit with the rest of the design. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the Alf snack at the cold open is really just a vehicle for the actual premise of the show, which is a roach, which um, they very quickly realize is from Alf's home planet of Melmac. Right, it's an alien roach. Um, which apparently it looks like a normal roach, except it's got blue eyes. Yeah. Uh most of the family wants to kill it. William expresses some very human emotions in that he's like, this is an alien species from another planet. We can't just kill it because it upsets us and reminds us of a cockroach. We have to, you know, we should trap it. Now, he may be profit-seeking in his entrapment plans, but I don't know how you'd make anyone believe that you have an alien roach if the only difference is that it has blue eyes. But he, he has a humanitarian approach, uh, and he is interrupted by his wife murdering it. Yeah. Um. My understanding of Willie's character from what I'm gathering here and from vague recollections of knowledge of the show, I think he's kind of a nerd. So I think the idea of a, you know, an a, a truly alien species that could be studied excites him, which, frankly, it should excite anyone. That's a that's a fucking wild thing to realize exists although i do understand the hesitation um anytime foreign uh flora or fauna is introduced into an ecosystem it runs the risk of completely upsetting the natural balance of the region so concerns over what that roach could do if not contained are definitely valid but moving to murder it right away does seem perhaps a bit um harsh yeah, there's not really any ecosystem concerns that actually come up here. It's more that it is a cockroach and they don't like it because it's a disgusting yep. bug. Yep. But unfortunately, uh, a strange characteristic of alien cockroaches is that they are not, in fact, Earth cockroaches and they do not respond to Earth chemicals the same way an Earth cockroach would. Yes, they use they just use a bunch of bug spray on it, and it, it initially stops moving. But then they all look up to discuss what, um, you know what the what they're gonna do with it, and it runs off while they're not looking. So clearly, the the spray did not have the desired effect. Um, there is one of the one of the handful of jokes that I thought was okay, and this happens right before this, where Willie's suggesting trying to trap it humanely, and it's like, okay, so what I'll do is I'll get a piece of donut and put it under a box, and then you all stop Alf from taking the donut. Um, just, just, a, just a nice little bit of character humor there. Yeah, it shows they're aware of Alf's proclivities. 
and that elf is so driven by his base desires that even though he is a sentient being capable of discussing with them what's going on and knows that that donut is meant to be bait, he will still try to eat it himself. And that's always a, a character trait that I enjoy. Uh, but yes, the roach runs off and um, Willie is a bit concerned by this, of course, because you never want to have a, a, a strange bug just loose in your house, especially if it can, you know, potentially cause damage. Right. You don't know uh, what kind of bacteria that thing has. Right. Or And now necessarily... there's half a can's worth of spray in the air. Yeah. And not to mention, like, one of the problems with roaches beyond that is they will eat things that maybe you don't want them to eat. And with an alien roach, who knows what it might eat? For all, for all they know, it could it could eat foundation, and the entire house integrity could be at, at risk here. Uh-huh. Um, so Alf immediately goes off into the other room uh, to order donuts, because the talk of donuts got him into the mood for donuts. But while, while doing that, he discovered that the roach had moved to the living room, and more disturbingly, had grown to about the size of a foot. Yeah. Um... So yeah, apparently apparently this roach has a very quick reaction to the chemicals we use for bug spray. It's a, it's an immediate catalyst for growth. Yes, for incredible growth. And uh one thing about this episode is they never directly show the roach. Um at this point you never see it at all. You just see people reacting to it while it's off screen and you hear some like screechy sound effects. Um later they'll do more with that, but yeah, it's I, a lot like iconic horror film them. Yeah, it it gave me a bit of a um a vibe of that where, you know, just leaving it to the leaving the the terror of it to the imagination works better than seeing a puppet. And also they probably didn't want to build an entire giant roach puppet, especially if it was going to have to have multiple size stages. To be honest, I'm surprised we got as much on screen as we did. I am as well. I thought that the off-screen stuff was going to be the entire episode. Um, so anyway, uh, the rest of the family clearly finds out that the roach has been growing. Um, they're, uh, and so they decide they're just going to leave. They're calling an exterminator, and they are leaving the house. Um, it's the classic taking the kids to the wife's mother bit i don't know it's a that's a trope i've i've seen in sitcoms a lot yeah i didn't pay attention to where they went i just went oh they're leaving yep um so learning absolutely nothing from this endeavor uh as they're about to leave willie walks into the living rooms announcing that everyone can come back he's killed the roach yeah this time yet there's an immediate assumption that more spray is the solution so he finds yeah. it and he sprays it again, which is, as a viewer, annoying because you've immediately already deduced what the problem was. Yeah, they they made it very clear what was going on here. And the idea of, well, we'll just do it again but harder is a very dumb way to escalate the situation in a way that maybe, oh, I can think of about a dozen ways they could have done that better just off the top of my head. It's a real definition of insanity moment. Um, we also find out that the youngest, uh, child, uh, he's a, he's a young boy, probably about what, eight. Um, he's also, from what I remember of the show, the character that likes Alf the most, like he considers Alf like an actual friend because, you know, innocence of children and whatnot. Um, he is named the Roach, which... Kid kid forms quick attachments, probably because he has not yet been fully indoctrinated by uh, those around him to fear that which is different. Yeah. Um. So he doesn't. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to see it, uh, Dad. I think he asks if they can. He can take it with them. Yeah, he's looking at this as a fun pet. Uh, he's named it after. His dad's brother. Yeah, which is... I have no idea if his dad's brother is a character on the show at any point. I don't know if this is a intentional, like, 
slam on him or what, but it's kind of funny. Yeah, but we don't have to worry because it's not going to come up again. Yeah, no, like most things on this show and many sitcoms of its ilk, jokes only exist in the moment. Uh, so anyway, uh, Willie and Alf are going to stay behind Alf because he has to because there's still the premise that at this point in the show that he needs to be hidden from people. Um, can't let him know. Eventually, they get looser with those rules, but we're still in season one here. Uh, so he has to stay home, and Willie also is staying home to uh, deal with the exterminator, presumably. And this is where they finally put together that the spray causes the roach to get bigger. Yeah, they've they've put one and one together from their two science experiments. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess, I guess in fairness, I could see how you'd think, well, it's an alien roach. Maybe it just grows really fast. So, anyway, the exterminator shows up, and he is a very familiar-looking actor who I cannot place at all, but I've definitely seen in things. There's something about his eyes that seem really familiar. I don't know. He's got a... Well, let's let's look him up right now. Let's yeah, get some yeah, zest in this, in this podcast. La Cucaracha Alf episode. Seems that... The internet is split on whether it is, in fact, La Cucaracha or La Cucaracha. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it listed both ways. Why the Exterminator is played by Douglas Warhit. What else has he done? Well, he was city bureaucrat in Clueless, Rick Hart in NYPD Blue, voyeur slash Ed in Civil Wars, male client in Look Who's Talking To, Hickenhopper in China Beach, Kazago in Star Trek The Next Generation, Bird in Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Exterminator in Alf, Dillard in The Wizard, Messenger in My Sister Sam, You Again in Herky, by which I mean Herky in You Again, Misfits of Science he starred in, uh, he played Larry Diamond in Playing for Keeps, he played Customer in Fast Times, Doug in Moonlighting, Otto in The Facts of Life, Director in Airwolf, Bonded Warehouse Clerk Number 2 in Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, okay. Um. So yes. obviously a bit character actor. I don't know why he looks familiar, but there's something about his face. Uh, me neither. Uh, he, you certainly didn't recognize him from his Star Trek appearance as he played one of the guys with a butt head. Mm, yes. Anyway, uh, he shows up with a with a typical old can of spray, and Willie, having just realized what that will do to it, uh, takes it and says, "No, no, no! Uh, let's find another way to do it." And he's like, "All right, well, I guess I will beat it with a magazine, or a phone book, as Willie offers." Um, this is the this is the one joke where I was like, "Okay, that's all right," um, which is uh. The the uh, exterminator walks into the, the room where the roach was, and Alf pops up from the kitchen and just tells Willie, hey, you might want to open the door. He's like, uh, okay. And as soon as he does, the exterminator comes running from the room and, like, runs out the door without even looking. Yeah, absolute terror at the ambiguously sized roach, who we have not been informed the new height of. Right. But knowing that it's grown... It, it grew almost a foot the first time, and that's been sprayed since then. It's probably big enough that, you know, any normal human response would kind of probably be along those same lines because we are not wired to expect to see bugs of that size. Much less with blue eyes. Yes. I don't know. We tend to be wired to like blue eyes, so maybe that would, maybe that would soften the effect a little. No, not with La Cucaracha. All right, maybe I'm just saying. Maybe maybe its eyes aren't just blue. Maybe they're like, maybe they're like really big, soft baby eyes. Well, I don't think there would be so much horror then. Right. A key a key component of this roach is that it does fill the observer with absolute bone wrenching terror. 
Sure, sure. So Willie goes in to, to check on it, and again, they're they're vague about all the descriptions of it, which is probably to their favor. Um, he just uh, he just implies that it is now at least animal sized because he references not knowing whether to measure from the uh, neck or the head, which is an absolutely absurd statement about a cockroach. Right, you'd measure lengthwise. There is no neck. Yeah. That's not a character trait of the insect world. Right. The head head connects right to the thorax. So we cut to what looks like a shed. Um it's a pretty nice place like they've got a bunch of they've got like a telescope and a bunch of like space pictures up and a bunch of books and stuff like it's a pretty well-to-do family it looks like yeah seems like a nice fancy man cave yeah so alf is looking to just flee the situation leave the home to the roach uh willie is not so quick to give up his castle uh he has been apparently reading everything he can find about roaches trying to find a solution to this Still operating under the assumption that the only defining characteristics separating it from the earth roach are the eyes and the absorption of spray. Yeah, and specifically spray, because he's still looking at chemical solutions, just different chemicals. Yeah. Uh, Alf is trying to help him realize the folly of this by telling him about a uh, infestation of some other uh, alien creature in Detroit, which... Willie ignorantly assumes must mean Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, but is actually a Detroit on Alf's home planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently there they also attempted to use chemicals to deal with the issue. And uh, Alf doesn't go into details, but it sounds like the um, infestation took over the city. Yeah. And it was lost to them. The, the This set of jokes was definitely the most absolute vegetable I felt. Every step of it was extremely predictable and yep. wholly just mind-numbing. These are the sorts of things that uh, introductory comedy writers at a like comedy school would write for for sketches in like their freshman year. Like right, it's very Saturday much Night live. Yeah, it's very much, here's the basic structure of how to write a situational comedy joke. And they don't iterate on that at all. It's just, here it is. Uh, So, Willie's weird neighbor comes over. Yeah, um, I don't like that guy. Yeah, no, not uh, not especially funny. Like, I've seen a lot of shows with wacky neighbors. This is maybe the most underwhelming one. He demands to be let in. No. He drops... The spray that the exterminator left for him, uh, he goes on a surreal rant about cockroaches <laughs> in Korea. Yeah. Which I assume is meant to imply that he served in the Korean War. Yeah, probably. Um, His age, the 80s, yeah, don't check out. Yeah, but it's just, it's so not funny that it was confusing. And then he reveals the primary function of this entire scene, which is to establish that he sprayed around the house because, of course, he is unaware of the problem. He just says, oh, the exterminator forgot to spray noxious fumes all over your home. This entire episode's approach to spray, I found very confusing. Like, especially, especially given that like the late 80s was when everyone was talking about, like, ddt and shit like the idea of spraying chemicals was a hot topic issue and they just don't seem to care about it here yeah like we know that chemicals suck to begin with and even then the amount of chemicals they use and show no reaction at all is surprise like they should not want to be breathing that air no, that house should not be livable for anyone, cockroaches or otherwise. Um, but point is, he sprayed all around the house so that everyone inside would die. Uh, and this freaks Willie out, and he 
takes off like a storm to try and assess the damage. Yeah, he, he runs into the now unlivable home, um, apparently choosing death over talking to this man anymore, which I can relate to. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I would just take the same approach I would with the roach, which is I would just open the doors and let it leave. <laughs> I would let I would just let him leave. He seems like he would leave on his own. He seems pretty he, bored. He seems like the the kind of guy who meanders into your life and then meanders right back out. Yeah, he wants to spend one minute talking about himself, get the affirmation, and leave. Yeah, which honestly, as far as neighbors go, that seems all right to me. I can spare a minute for that. I mean, I don't want them to just bang on the door and demand to come into my house. Now, to be fair, it's to his shed. That's Sheds e- are much less sacred. That's even more my sacred place. Okay, we have different approaches to sheds, apparently. I, I ha- There's a lock on it. You're not supposed to demand to be let in. You know what? That's a fair point. And I do need to, I do need to disagree with you on one point. You said the main purpose of that guy being there was to... Uh, Mentioned the spray. I think the main purpose of that guy being there was to kill a minute of running time. I wish it was just a minute. I'm liberally skipping skipping through bits here. All right, so we've re- we've entered full horror mode. Not to mean not to say that this is good horror. Just that's the that's the mode that they're operating in now. You see Willie stalking through the. Uh, through the house trying to catch a glimpse of it. They don't know how big it is now, but knowing that that much chemical was used, it um it almost certainly has to be of a monstrous proportions. Yeah. Um and Willie's planning to go to the store to get some acid, uh not the not the drug, but like the ac- actual like chemicals, I forget what kind. Boric. Yeah. Apparently, apparently he thinks that dissolving the roach in acid will work, which, to be fair, acid tends to work on most organic materials. It's a safer assumption than chemicals. Yeah, I, which... I understand why you couldn't remember what acid, though, it was, because I assume that, like me, you were fixated on the baffling fact that the actor could not get his fucking jacket on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, um... um... <laughs> I don't understand what was... It looked... Like, I was watching his jacket in all later scenes. I think they swapped out his jacket for a smaller-sized jacket here as, like, a joke. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know if somebody paid a, played a prank on him, if somebody just fucked up the wardrobe. Like, um, he is genuinely struggling to fit his arm through a sleeve for half a minute here. And it, they're like, yeah, these are the takes. We're not shooting again. Yeah, no, I the takes. I think this is the take. I don't know that they do more than the one. Yeah. Um, but the crux of the scene is supposed to be that uh, Alf is afraid for his life being left there alone. Um, well, he says he can't take him with because, you know, he'd be going out in public with an alien. Um, but Alf is positive that he's going to be eaten by this roach. Um, he goes on a long-winded rant about how he's being left alone to die, and then asks Willie for a hug, and they share a supposedly tender moment. Yeah, the the implication here is that this is basically the first time Alf has received emotional intimacy from a member of the household. Other than the other than the the son who seems to children aren't real, right? Right. They love he loves the roach. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you just need the affection of another adult. I get it. Yeah. Um. So we then experience what my subtitles are telling me are horror movie bug sounds, which yeah, that sounds about right. And we get a silhouette of a giant roach. Uh, projected on the wall. Yeah, and and for a moment you think it's just going to be the silhouette, and then, and then this is where like the entire budget for the show went. Yeah. Other yeah, than the we, elf puppet. We uh pan over to the uh kitchen. It's one of those kitchens where they've got a little window that slides open to the living room, and uh, through that you see just a couple of gigantic antenna skittering past. Yeah, they they went. 
to the trouble of making two full antenna. They bounce them along like it's a real thing. And, and... Then, and then a great big roach leg pushes the door open and knocks over a lamp or something. Right, like a belligerent cat. Uh, I also thought that was kind of amusing just in the like the pettiness of it and the fact that that's all it was interested in doing. Um, but then it does start chasing Alf. He uh, runs into, I'm assuming, the master bedroom, uh, and he tries to call for help, but they uh, understandably think it's a prank call. Uh, the bug literally breaks down the door. Well, the first door, he just straight up flattens. Yeah. Like the full door just straight down. And then when Alf retreats to the bathroom and closes that door, that door begins to be broken open the Shining style. Here's Kakarucha uh, with the legs of the roach. Uh, Elf's trying to threaten it with uh, a gun. Um, then he tries to do some pop psychology. Uh, he briefly considers flushing himself down the toilet. Uh, and then in a moment of absolute desperation, he starts just grabbing stuff around the bathroom. He... Yeah, we, we transition to, much like the opening credits is Alf POV, we transition to Kakarocha POV. Yep, using the using the two bits of prop that they have for this, the cockroach legs and the antenna just floating into view. Uh, Alf tries to fight it with a plunger, but it immediately just, like, chops them off with its legs, I guess? It, it snaps off the plunger. Uh, it's not clear whether the plunger head itself remains affixed to it. Uh, that is an amusing, an, an amusing uh, image. Alf... Uh, Elf offers to call in the psychiatrist that I mentioned earlier, who is one in real life and was brought on to mediate between him and uh, Willie's actor. And then ultimately grabs a bottle of perfume and just decides to start spraying that out of basically no uh, no other ideas. He figures this is his last his last moments on Earth. He might as well do what he can. And, uh, yeah, the, the room just smil- fills with the, uh, perfume. Yeah, camera's fully fogged over. And then we just fade to black and open back up on the house. It looks like an entire day has passed based on the change in light levels. Yeah, Willie said he would be gone for, like, ten minutes to the store. Uh, and it really seems like he... I don't know if he got held up in traffic or something, but wasn't a tenor yeah so he comes back and alf is sitting at the coffee table with uh some magazines it looks like and uh and the uh willie's like well what'd you do and we cut over and see that the roach is dead behind the couch just the legs are sticking out because yeah this is the first time we actually see all of the legs and we're like oh they made all the legs for this shot well that's nice that the, the prop department had fun that's nice yeah. Yeah, no, I'll I'll give him credit. I I like this as a prop. Like this is something that you don't see in a lot of sitcoms. The the corpse of a gigantic roach. So Alf is uh Alf just answers, you know, the stuff he stuff he did, um casually mentions killing the bug. Yeah, and, Alf triumphant. Yeah. Um he uh Willie really asks how he did it. He says perfume and uh yeah, um, Willie says that he'd bought that for Kate for her birthday, which I feel like you could have done better for your wife there, pal. I but, mean, uh, there are I, expensive perfumes, right? I, I'm going to guess this wasn't it, but he asks how he knew the, the perfume would do it, and Alf's like, well, I analyzed the list of ingredients, and I noticed... Um, and Willie just kind of cuts him off. He's like, so you just got lucky. And uh, he's like, yep. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, Willie's just going to throw it out. And I was like, no, I want to get it stuffed. Which, again, raises kind of a good point. This is a unique specimen. It would maybe make sense to donate this to science. 
That raises a lot of questions about why you have a giant roach, though. I suppose that is true. Um, surreptitiously, uh, Kate calls at this point and really lets him know that, hey, the roach problem is solved. Uh, and that's commercial break. Uh, we come to the final scene of the episode. Alf is sitting at the table. Uh, the boy whose name I've already forgotten comes by. Alf asks if he wants a uh, bedtime story, and the kid says, sorry, I'm too tired to read you one tonight. Um, again, real classic uh, reversal. Yep. Yep. One of those things where if this wasn't the only joke that the show did, might be funny. Um, but at this point, it is the expected, not the subversion. Um, so then Alf offers to read him one and uh, offers the story of him defeating the roach. But the kid picks a different one, so he just hands him the book. and He's like, all right, here, have fun. And then the kid just exits the scene. Yeah, because he's he only... no more function. Yep, nope. He's, on... he's only there to facilitate jokes. Um, everyone else comes in looking kind of looking dirty. Apparently, they... Uh, Found a dump that doesn't ask questions. Uh, so yeah, they've they've now buried this alien roach in a landfill somewhere, and uh, Alf says he sprayed down everything else on his ship with perfume just to be safe, except for his uh, gym bag, presumably for a. I'm assuming this is a homophobic joke, but uh. Um, yeah, he says he doesn't didn't want to spray down the gym bag so he wouldn't get funny looks if he ever goes back to his health club. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a joke. Yeah, I mean, it, it's they want it to be. Uh, I thought that was going to lead to a thing where the, the episode ends with there were more roaches in his gym bag and, you know, it's just, up oh, here we go again. Of course of not. That would be a setup and then a delivery on that setup. Right. I was still somehow... 20 minutes into this episode of Alf, giving it credit. Instead, Alf has secured a Venus flytrap from Venus, ha ha ha, from his ship, and placed it in the room as decor. Yeah. For some reason, uh, the, the teen girl of the family decides to start poking it with a pencil. I mean, I kind of get it. Like, you, you know, you hear a Venus flytrap is, like, stimulated by, like, getting its leaves, you know, poked at. You you might be like, you know, you're a young person, like, I've never seen a Venus flytrap. I want to see, like, I want to see it close on something. That's neat. But then it does, and they're horrified, which is the part I don't get. It's like, well, isn't that what you wanted to see happen? Well, no, no. They're horrified because it demonstrates incredible strength in breaking the pencil and devouring uh, portions of it. Okay, so they're worried it's going to go all Audrey 2 on them. Yes, they're worried about the incredible abilities of the venus venus flytrap yeah and and elf is baffled by that you you just see him looking looking at just kind of shaking his head like huh earth people did what it was supposed to do yeah they all they all disseminate to the positions they've agreed upon for dealing with alien flora and fauna in the wake of this cockroach aftermath and credits yeah you know what to be fair that's probably smart because um, if you're living with an extraterrestrial, this is definitely not going to be the last time that they have to deal with something like this. Might as well have a game plan. Yeah, it's probably just kill Alf. Really, like, if that dump truly asks no questions, seems like the obvious solution. Yeah, just choke him out. So, that was an episode of Alf. We watched it and explained it to you so that you don't have to. Frankly, you probably should have just watched the episode because it wouldn't have taken as long. It would not have taken as long. We did not have a whole lot of pithy comments about it because there's just not much to say. It's hard to wring blood from a stone. You know, I bet you Alf's home planet has stones that bleed. I'm sure Alf would tell you all sorts of stories. Do you think Alf is just speaking bullshit? Yes, I 100% do. Uh, He seems like the sort of guy who would just make up a lie and... You know, no one's going to call it on him because he's from Melmac. Or is he? He's not, actually. Yeah, he's from Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, no, uh, I feel I believe that Alf lies as easily as most people breathe. 
I think uh, I think he I think he tells so much falsehood. Even he doesn't know what's true anymore. Yeah, Twitter recently suspended Alf's account finally, and the world's a better place for it. Um, I suggested we do an episode of Alf for this purely for the joke of the title, and also just because I've made a lot of like goofs about Alf just as a pop culture figure just because I think it's kind of funny to do so and I figured it was time to uh finally put I don't know what I'm putting here it's not my money but you know finally actually watch the show that I riff on and I've done so and I feel no need to ever do so again and I watched Alf because you're my girlfriend and I love you and I'll support your decisions even when they're terrible. They really weren't very good. I I will say that this was I, I did some research beforehand of just, you know, what are what are considered the best elf episodes. Let's let's try to get a as positive a representative representation of the show as I can. And the fact that this made most of those lists I'm kinda wishing I would have gone for one of the worst ones, because just maybe there would have been more to talk about. It was definitely being graded on a scale. Yes. Yes. And I mean, to that end, I suppose, like you said, time passed and then it was over, which if TV is filling the role for you that it did for so many people in the late 80s and early 90s, that's kind of that's kind of all you really ask of it. So maybe this is a good episode of Alf. It's it's something that can just happen around you while you're Avoiding having a meaningful conversation with your family. I seek that every day. Yeah. So hey, maybe maybe instead of uh, maybe instead of British quiz shows, you should uh, get your family hooked on Elf. Lexi, are you trying to get our viewers to laugh at the knowledge that my family watches a lot of British TV quiz shows? A fact which they most assuredly are unaware of. As this is the first time I have ever appeared in the Teenagers with Altitude podcast feed. Listen, I'm just saying. It's okay. I love you and I support your decisions. <laughs> I'm starting to feel like this is maybe being used as a weapon. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, this show does not exist in high def. It's probably a much less of a bandwidth hog. Are you are you subsequently making a joke? about the fact that getting them to watch ALF would be a benefit to our relationship because since we are presently trapped in a long-distance relationship due to the coronavirus, we primarily communicate versus Skype and various internet calls, which can be taxing on the bandwidth when the family is also streaming something from YouTube. I feel like our listeners could have probably figured out where that was going, but yes... You're giving them a lot of credit that I don't know if it's earned. <laughs> to, uh, I suppose, in fairness, they have spent the last five years listening to people tell them about episodes of Power Rangers. So, yeah, you know, that's fair. Um, But, yeah, also, uh, this show is about a being from space, an alien, which is appropriate because we just started Power Rangers in space. So, you know, it's thematic, right? Right? Oh, I see. Like Alf, you're giving the setup and the punchline right away at the end. Yeah, I mean, unless you have more to say about Alf, I really don't. Lexi, you never know how much you have to say about Alf until the time comes. I have no idea how to lead out of this. (laughs) Well, folks... Lexi fell asleep before she could record an outro. So that task falls to me. I don't know any of you. I don't know what you like. I don't know why you listen to this podcast. I haven't watched Power Rangers since I was like 12. But I respect your ability to like it. Hmm. Saying it like that does make it sound a little condescending, though. I hope you're enjoying your day. And I hope the next episode is fun. I hope the last episode was fun. This one can go. I'm trying to think of the release order because this may come out. 
No, this should. I, I guess it's going to depend on. It's going to come uh, out February fourteenth. Yes, I, I'm just trying. I just don't know if we're going to be releasing an episode the Friday before because if we don't, the next episode they listen to is going to be the uh, Power Rangers well, in Space. Well, she, well, don't, don't spoil it for everyone listening. No, they know because the last episode we did had specifically a setup for it. Oh. Um, so the next episode is going to be the uh, Power Rangers in Space. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the next mutation crossover. Oh. Which I'm sure we're going to get a good episode of uh, TWA out of it, but who boy is that a difficult to watch episode of television. Do you know, Mike, uh, not my cousin, but, you know, my quote unquote cousin in that the daughter of a family friend for my parents. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, 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 uh non-family family friend did the stunt work for the female Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle for like one or two episodes oh neat that might be a lie I don't remember <laughs> well if it was a lie it's an interesting lie so we're gonna let it stand is it? I mean I don't know anyone it feels who's like done I just, it feels like I just told a story about someone that I don't even really know doing something that may or may not be true uh, once or twice. Mikey, we just talked about an episode of ALF. Anything is an interesting lie at this point. I guess. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, don't worry. We'll be talking about Power Rangers again in the next episode. Um, if uh, you... Let's, let's not say we. I, I mean we in the podcast sense, not in the you and me specifically. I'm not, com- I'm not coming back to this shit. Um, but if you do want to hear me and Mikey specifically, uh, we do occasionally record a different podcast. That's just the two of us. Are you sure you want to advertise this podcast? Yeah. I feel like you're going to be a little embarrassed about how much editing you haven't done. Nah. I guess you're now experiencing that, uh, embarrassment superficially because I invoked it anyways, though. So at this point might as well. Nope, no, I'm not gonna. Okay. We do another podcast. Try and find it yourself. Good luck. Lexi's account is locked. I have, um... The funny thing is I have mentioned it on other episodes of TWA, and, um... I still don't really have an easy way for people to find it, because it is... Um... My my Twitter account is locked, so... Well, you put it on SoundCloud. Yeah, but that's an unwieldy uh, URL. Anyway, it's called Lore and Order. Uh, it's where I'm I'm slowly learning all of the lore of Warcraft from Mikey. Yeah. If you look for Lore and Order on SoundCloud, you'll probably find it. Oh, that sounds like a risk. Yeah, I don't know what else you'll find. Uh, search at your own risk. Um, someday I will finish video editing on a video episode we just recorded. I say just recorded. It was like two months ago. Ooh, it might be longer than that. It was last year. (laughs) Listen, work has been very busy and video editing is time consuming. And you don't know how to do it. It's been a while since I've done it. Anyway, that's that's enough talking about my failed projects. Um, It's not a failed project. You just haven't done it. Anyway, Mike, is there anything else you want to plug? No, I don't do anything that's suitable for your audience. Okay. I suppose that's true. Like, legally. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean... I mean, I ride a motorcycle and play jazz saxophone. <laughs> right, it's it's everything I love about you. Um... I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Listen to Eidolon. We've plugged it a million times. You should, you should know the drill by now. Um, it's good. It's good stuff. The, the season is winding down. Yeah, Uh, it's great. It's great podcasting. I love Chili the Fox. It's my favorite character on there. Probably because it's played by you and I love listening to you. And, uh, what you've done with the exploration of developing a new RPG and playing it at the same time is really cool. Yeah, it's uh yeah, there's a Patreon, uh patreon.com slash Eidolon playtest if you want to check that out. Uh 
for just one dollar you get the episodes a week earlier than the free feed uh for three dollars you get i'm trying to remember i think for three dollars you get the actual playbook itself um the new drafts of that as it comes out which we encourage because we welcome other people to try it out and give us feedback uh the more people playing it the more stuff you find that maybe needs tweaking and also just it's a great game that's fun to play so and, and it's, it's, it's intellectually interesting to be a bit nerdy it's intellectually interesting to watch a game being made and see the updates that the game gets as people test it yeah so if you like, have any interest in in game design I, I recommend it yeah yeah it's uh it's evolved a lot and it's going to continue to evolve but like it seeing it shape up just from what we've learned from playing it is super cool uh, there's also a monthly design session where Luke and Molly, the creators of the game, uh, just kind of work through on a Skype call uh, changes to the uh, changes to the game. Uh, it's been typically like a playbook for one of the classes. Um, so you also can get a little bit of an insight into how that's actually done. Cool stuff. I gotta say, you can really you can really tell the difference in the episode now that we don't have to talk about Alf. Yeah, it there's turns real- out. There's a real energy here all of a sudden. Yeah, it turns out I enjoyed talking about Elf a lot more when I knew nothing about Elf. Yeah, wow. we're gonna, we're just going to like hang out and have a good time after this, folks. You don't get to hear it. It's our time. Yeah, we're not going to we're not going to perform for you if you you're tuning in, you're tuning in for this. You're you're getting you're getting Elf talk and you're just going to have to enjoy that. Uh but I think we're at a we're at a clean hour here. That's nothing by TWA standards, but I think for teenagers with altitude, that's a that's a decent length. That's more than enough for Alf, and more than Alf deserves. It is honestly. We've spent most of this time actually talking about Alf too. Unlike TWA, where we talk about a bunch of shit that's not Power Rangers. Yeah, I gotta be honest. Uh. uh... I would not have gone in depth on Alf in the way that you did for some of the seeds. You asked me to sum this Alf episode up. Oh, what a breeze rasped it pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, listen. This show is nothing if not diving to the minutiae of scenes of a show that's really not very good. It's my favorite part about it. Uh, apparently it is because we've got longtime listeners who love it. Yeah, they're, you know, everyone's got their own thing, I guess. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you guys have yours, and I hope to scratch that itch. Uh, next, uh, tune in next year for another Teenagers with Altitude from uh, somebody else who's not us, because you know we rotate this. We got a lot of couples. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, yeah, I think this is gonna do it. I've already forgotten the thing I said was gonna be our sign off, and that's probably for the best. So, uh, yeah, for uh, Teenagers with Altitude, I've been Lexi. I'm Mikey, her boy. I don't think you actually introduced me at the start. I think this might be the first time we said my name. No, I definitely introduced you. Oh, you introduced me to your friends? Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm glad you're proud of me. I mean, I am very. Yeah, if you came here for like Valentine's Day talk, fuck, sorry. Just Alf. No lovey-dovey shit here at all. I mean, I didn't didn't promise any lovey-dovey stuff. I promised Alf. I feel like the title of this is very upfront. No, there weren't really any teenagers. Yeah, we don't really, uh, we don't really uh, think too hard about that part of it. Okay, that's fair. Well, anyways, folks, remember, Alf is radio poison. Don't watch it. Yeah, it's also just like brain poison. Like it's not a good time for anyone. <laughs> no thoughts. Head empty. Only Alf. You're adding right now. What you're doing right now is adding.
I didn't stop my recording. So people are just going to hear this at the end. People are just going to hear me talking and no one. No, I, I can talk over you all I want now because you're not recording. It's not going to be audio poison. No one can stop me. I'm unstoppable. I could read, read some ad copy right now. Uh, Squarespace. Build a website. Uh, check out my watch. Uh, people talk talk about my watch all the time. MeUndies. Are they the most comfortable underwear ever? I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. I did get less ingrown hairs on my thighs when I started wearing them. I don't know if MeUndies wants to be associated with that, but it's true. Their fabric helps there. Sue me. I know you will. I haven't stopped yet. I'm still going. Uh, James Joyce's letters to Nora Bonacle. You had an arse full of farts that night, darling, and I fucked them out of you. Big fat fellows, long windy ones, quick little merry cracks, and a lot of tiny little naughty farties ending in a long gush from your hole. It is wonderful to fuck a farting woman when every fuck dries on out of her. I think I would know Nora's fart anywhere. I think I could pick hers out in a room full of farting women. It is a rather girlish noise, not like the wet windy fart which I imagine fat wives have. It is a sudden and dry and dirty like what a bold girl would let off in fun in a school dormitory at night. I hope Nora will let off no end of her farts in my face, so that I may know their smell also. I have come now, and the foolery is over. <laughs>